91.3 KBCS, Music and Ideas, listener-supported radio from Bellevue College. KBCS reporter Kevin Penry recently interviewed Rebecca Fonden, board president of the Organization of Prostitution Survivors, also known as OPS. Fonden, a survivor herself, talked about how to support the survivors of the sex trade and discussed available resources in addition to sharing her own personal story. I got into this work about four years ago, maybe four and a half years ago. I was going to the University of Washington and I was looking for, you know, what kind of career path am I looking at once I get my degree? And I had a friend who was working for the city who contacted me with um, a woman, Kelly Mangueras, you know, who worked for the CSEC task force. And I met with her about an internship. I ended up getting a nine month internship while I was in college, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I graduated. And it was for their uh, commercial sexual exploitation task force. And during that time, I didn't realize I was a trafficking victim for so many years, um, you know, or a survivor of human trafficking. And so sitting through and just being a part of this nine month internship really just, I was able to take classes. I was able to meet other survivors in the community and allies and just learn all about this work. And it just became, you know, really clear to me what had happened to me. And it just solidified that this is what I want to do. This is the kind of work I want to get into. How can I best make a difference? Uh, So yeah, that was kind of my trajectory into anti-trafficking work. And that kind of pushes my passion for this work. Mm -hmm. And what can you tell us about just your own personal experience? You said you were a victim or a survivor of of trafficking. Yeah, so I was 17 years old. You know, many people experience something traumatic. Um, For me, I did when I was 17 years old. I didn't address it. I kind of sat on that and um, moved into my senior year, started acting out. My parents ended up kicking me out of the house. I was left homeless. Uh, within a very short time frame, I had a friend who was being groomed that I was staying with by a trafficker. And uh, then, uh, you know, because I didn't have my basic needs met, I ended up falling into, you know, his manipulation along with one of my good friends. And that led to two years of being trafficked across state lines from Las Vegas to Texas, you know, all through, even in our community, you know, where I grew up. So up on Aurora, um, throughout Washington state. And uh, yeah, it was about a two year, you know, being arrested multiple times thinking, you know, now I have this criminal record. I'm not going to be able to get a job after this. You know, these are all the things that you're told constantly. You're not, you know, going to be worth anything now that you've done this. No one's ever going to date you. So it's not this physical hold, you know, I'm not chained up, but there's this mental hold. There's these barriers that are being constantly created in front of me to make me think as a young woman that I wouldn't be able to exit the situation that I was in. And so it took me getting hit by a car in Las Vegas, uh, waking up in the emergency room with a broken foot to not be able to work for this trafficker. So that was my exit. That's what got me out going on house arrest for three months, not telling on him and serving that time. Um, so so my exit, my family took me back in and uh, I was able to heal 
you know, start on the path back in school. And that's kind of what that looked like. You know, a lot of times people will think, okay, someone's out of trafficking and now they have a job. What are some of the, I guess, psychological post-traumatic things that someone has to deal with? And and what would you suggest to someone maybe who knows someone who's been trafficked in terms of just how you can best support a survivor of trafficking? Yeah, there's absolutely psychological trauma that, you know, stems from being in those situations um, and under a trafficker. And it is crucial that someone accesses the services that we have available. And that's why OPS is such an important organization because they have services that can bring a community of people around you and create a really safe space for someone to find their healing. So when I exited, you know, OPS wasn't even founded into till 2012. So I exited around 2005. So I didn't have access to any services. There was nothing in the community for me to turn to. Uh, So I remember, and I didn't know what this was called at the time, but I had severe PTSD. And so, you know, I would be, I was hit by a car, so I'd be driving. And as I was driving, I would stop multiple times on my way to work thinking I ran someone over. This is maybe an absurd thought to, to anyone else. Um, why would you, you know, you know, I'm trying to process these things in my mind. Why am I thinking that I hit someone and, but I need to check. I need to stop and just make sure everything's good. And I'd make myself late to work sometimes, you know, and that was then affecting my employment. Um, and, you know, of course my manager knew nothing about that. And it took me years actually sitting in on classes, um, learning about trauma and what it is and how it affects the brain. And to really fully realize that that was PTSD. And I did heal over time, uh, but it took about 10 years to fully get through that. Wow. So what kind of tips can you give to, it could be parents, adults, caregivers of adolescents. It's very scary right now, especially with the internet, with how vulnerable a lot of, especially young people are, um, on these various social media platforms. And in fact, there was just recently a story where I think three people were killed down in California by um, a guy who uh, was grooming a a young lady, a 14 year old, I think over the internet. And then he drove cross country and wound up killing her mother and her grandparents and trying to kidnap her. And this is all through social media. So what kind of precautions can parents take to just protect their, their, their children or their, you know, their teenagers from, from traffickers? Parents need to, I'm a parent of a 16 year old. So parents need to pay attention to who their kids are talking to, Um, you know, access their phone. I I don't think it's too invasive to be asking a minor, you know, who are you talking to? Can I see your social media? I follow my daughter on any social media platforms she has. Uh, There's also courses, you know, that we can give kids to, I believe, Washington Trafficking Prevention, and there's many other out um, online, but it can actually train kids and parents, uh, children, what to look out for, right? And then parents, how to prevent this um, from happening, you know, what can they do? So definitely paying attention, keeping your kids close, knowing who they're talking to, knowing who their friends are. Is there anything you'd like to add? And I guess one question I have is just, you know, there's that movie Taken, 
where when a lot of times you, you I hear people talking about trafficking and immediately they go to, oh, yeah, I saw this movie taken. And it was this you know young middle class teenager who's on a trip, I guess the first taken she was on a European vacation. I think there's this sense of like or a tendency to think, well, this only happens to a certain type of person, you know, but it seems like it's the kind of thing that could happen to to anyone anywhere in the country. Yes, you are correct. So when I begin many of my trainings, I start with this and I say, if you've ever seen the movie taken, erase that from your mind. We're not talking about people that are being whisked off to other countries. This happens locally in our communities. And that's a question that is so prevalent. Does this happen here? I can't believe this happens here. It absolutely does. Trafficking has no bias. Anyone can be a victim of human trafficking, any age, um, you know, demographic. It has no bias trafficking. Um, anyone could potentially be a victim. All right. Anything you'd like to add? I think that for me, you know, I grew up in a in a middle class home. I, you know, federal way out down south. And I was like um, very involved in my community, kind of the girl next door, not someone that you may think um, that might meet like your idea of what a human trafficking survivor would look like. And um, that's just an example of, you know, it can happen to anyone, whether someone you know, traffickers prey on people who are in a vulnerable situation, who don't have their basic needs needs met. So maybe they don't have, you know, access to housing, uh, access to clothing, food, some of the basic needs that a child or a young adult or adult, you know, needs to survive. And so, um, yeah, just being in a vulnerable position can really trap anyone into this life of becoming a victim of human trafficking. That was Rebecca Fonden, board president of the Organization of Prostitution Survivors, also known as OPS, speaking with KBCS's Kevin Henry. On Saturday, January 28th, from 5 to 8 p.m., Black Coffee Northwest and Shoreline and OPS will present Together We Rise, an anti-trafficking education program. The program will feature resource information, guest speakers, spoken word, and dance performances. For more information, go to the OPS website at seattleops.org. For more KBCS stories and to support our work with a donation, you can visit kbcs.fm.